Chapter 9 of A Girl of High Adventure. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Speakeasy B. A Girl of High Adventure by L.T. Meade. Chapter 9 The English Girls at the School of La Princesse. Margot was the sort of girl who invariably and without any doubt kept her word. But being of that somewhat rare species, she expected those about her to keep their words also. Accordingly, Madame la Comtesse was forced to send la petite Comtesse Suntus to her friend, la Princesse de Fleury. Having made arrangements beforehand with that good woman, that the child should go to her every day for déjeuner. After that, she was to devote herself to the learning of French and that music which charms even the savage breast. Little Margot was satisfied with this arrangement, and her grandfather, Monsieur Le Comte, little guessed that she was not at school all day long but devoted the early hours of her day to selling hats innumerable for Madame la Comtesse. Little Margot kept her word to the letter. She had a real taste for millinery, acquired no one quite knew how, and it soon became the rage in the establishment that Mademoiselle la Petite Comtesse should serve the customers. For had she not the taste magnifique? At school, too, little Margot was perfectly happy. Her morning hours were hours of duty rather than pleasure, but the rest of her days were full of pleasure. She delighted beyond anything in acquiring knowledge, and very soon discovered to her intense delight that there were several English girls at the school of La Princesse de Fleury. There was, in particular, Lady Dorothy Duncan. She was living with a French uncle at Arles and went every day to the school of La Princesse. She was a fair, pretty, thoroughly English girl, and although she was quite three years older than the little Comtesse, she took to the child with the dark bright eyes at once. The child, in her turn, took to Lady Dorothy. She was allowed, for the good of her manners, according to La Princesse, to speak English with Lady Dorothy, and many beyond ordinary words were the confidences that each young girl made to the other. Margot grew tall and graceful for her age. Dorothy, was small and very slim. Things went on well both at the school and at the établissement, until one day Dorothy Duncan invited her most favored friend to lunch in the chateau of Mononcle. Is it very, very French? asked little Margot. Oh, no, not any more than anything else here, said Dorothy. You will enjoy it, and you must come. As for me, I am 
overcome with raptures. My eldest sister, she is just 17, has come to us all the way from Rome. She will soon be likely to meet someone whom she can marry. She will be absorbed in getting her trousseau, partly from Paris and partly from that great establishment here, kept by Madame Marcel. Margot felt herself coloring slightly. What is your sister like to look at, Dorothy? Behold, understand, exclaimed Dorothy, putting on all the French manners she could acquire. I think that some day I shall be beautiful, but not like Ebe. Ebe is almost as beautiful as you, mon petit comtesse, only of course she is very much older. They say that the establishment of Ninon Lecoz cannot be beaten even in Paris, that city of all delights. She has sold it now to Madame Marcel. Ah, but my sister will make a grand marriage, and l'oncle Gustave will give her a dot worthy of her. I am to have a dot too, said little Margot. But behold, I care not for it. It is, it is less than of no use at all. What I want is to have my heart brimful of love. Eh? But you are a darling, said Lady Dorothy. I know you will love my sister. I am sure I shall, said little Margot. Go on, describe her to me, Dorothy. We are very proud in England, began Dorothy. Very proud indeed. Ah, but our pride is immense. It is like a mushroom standing up higher than our heads, and the top of it covering us and shutting out the world. Of all my sisters, there is none so proud as Ebe, and Uncle Gustav says she will make a very great marriage indeed. She is like me, but she has dark eyes, whereas mine are blue like bits of sky. N'est-ce pas? Margot made no reply. When am I going to see your sister, Dorothy? Shall we arrange for tomorrow? You may perhaps see one of the many pretendants to her hand. Not that she looks at them. Ah, no, no. She abides her time. There is one called Maurice de Grosse. He is a man of the world, with an air superb and distinguished. But my sister, she will not regard him. But there, I must not speak any more on such matters. There is a putetta, one in England, I guess. But I dare not say... You will come tomorrow, little Margot, straight from school, and be introduced to ma belle sœur? Margot gave a little sigh, said she must ask her grand-père, and would let her friend know the following day. Grand-père was highly pleased that his little cabbage should have tea in the true French style with le pauvre Gustave. He was once a very great man, said Grandpère. 
but he lives through his fortune, and now, now he subsists on his pride. It is a great possession, the pride, ma très belle, Margot. But it produces the hunger. I took care to do otherwise. I married my Ninon, and since then, behold, I live in luxury, and can give thee a glorious dot, mon petit. While Margot and her grandfather were talking, Madame la Comtesse entered the room. She was dressed in a pale shade of green, with quantities of sequins of the same color arranged on the front of her dress. Her little collar was the best Horton lace. Her dress was short, coming barely to her ankles. She wore open-work silk stockings of the same shade and little green kid shoes en suite. She looked very charming and young, and no one could tell from her appearance what her age could possibly be. She rushed up now to Mont Alphonse, arranged his down pillows, settled his soft rug of crimson plush, and said, Ah, behold, art thou not full of comfort, my adored one? And what has La Petite been saying to thee? Oh, good news, Maninon, replied Grandpère. Gustave, the present Marquis de Serran, wants this bébé to have tea with his niece, Ebe and, and Dorothée, tomorrow evening. Ah, but I fear the food will be poor. But the Marquis is the Marquis, and we must not despise him. The little Margot, the sheer petit, loves dearly his English niece, Lady Dorothy Duncan. But it is the sister whom Lady Dorothy wishes her to meet. A cloud, very imperceptible, but undoubtedly there, swept over the face of Madame la Comtesse. All shall be as thou dost wish, most adorable enfance, she remarked, and kissed the old man, first on the hand, and then on the brow, then on each cheek, and then, by almost imperceptible wave of her own small white hand, motioned Margot to follow her out of the room. Answer me, answer me truly, mon enfant, she said. Hast thou seen Lady Abbe Duncan in my establishment? Hast thou perchance served her, ma petite? I have seen her, and I have served her, said Margot. I helped her to choose chapeau yesterday. Oh, then she will know thee again when thou dost go to that place of desolation where the Marquis Serran lives. Yes, ma grandmère, replied Margot, looking full in the face of the little shopkeeper. And yet thou must go, said Madame. It would offend my grandpère else. It does not do to offend the old. Tiens, 
The heart beats too slow. It, it must not receive the shock, Nespa. I never wanted to serve in your shop, Grandmère, exclaimed little Margot. Ah, but silence, my little beautiful. We have to make the francs to secure the proper dot for thee, mon enfant. Now, let me consider. Thou wilt not go to my establishment tomorrow, and I will dress thee differently. I will not even send thee to school of la princesse, but I will myself take thee in my motor car to the chapeau of the marquis. There I will dispose of thee for one short hour. During that hour, thou must play the role of la malade. Thou must appear worn and pale and ill. Ah, but I am clever enough to manage, and behold, assuredly it shall be done. Thou shalt wear the dress of the malade, and thou must speak low and soft, and refuse the food which is offered to thee, and which in truth is not worthy of thy accepting. Now behold, be guided by me, thy belle grandmère, and mon enfance will guess nothing. Little Margot, not being in the least disturbed or annoyed, readily agreed. She returned to sit with her grandfather and kept him in fits of laughter with accounts of her schoolfellows. Meanwhile, Madame was very busy. She wrote two letters, one to the Marquis de Saron and the other to La Princesse. She kept Margot away from the shop that day. Margot was undoubtedly making the said shop pay, but that did not matter at all. If only the adorable Alphonse was kept composed and happy in his mind. When the hour approached for little Margot to visit the Duncans in the tumbled-down old chateau, she was dressed very carefully by her grandmère. In some curious manner, the natural color seemed to deplete her rosy cheeks. Her eyes, so dark and brilliant, looked a trifle dull. She wore her school frock, of course, but taking her all around, she had a sort of extinguished appearance. Madame la Comtesse taught her carefully what she had to say. I have mal à la tête. Thou wilt not say more. Thou wilt not say less. The Marquis will be scared for fear thou dost carry the infection. Oh, la, la, it is good idea, and they will not think of the bright little comtesse when they see the sad-looking malade who cannot eat or say much. Thou must keep all the particulars about the establishment close to thy breast. Thou must not allude to Madame Marcel. That will not go to her tomorrow morning again, as arranged, and behold, I will have refreshments the most enticing for thee on thy return today. Now then, my mademoiselle, come along. The Lady Eby will not notice the drooping child who served her with so many chapeaux and at so great a price. See now, 
that will be thy old self tomorrow, and no one will guess our little strategy. Accordingly, Margot, accompanied by Grand Mare, arrived at the ancient castle of the Marquis de Serron. Dorothy rushed out to meet her. Margot scrambled weakly out of the motor car, which was closed and which was to call for her again in an hour and a half. Margot felt terribly inclined to laugh. She longed to say, I am a little shopwoman and this is all nonsense. But if she did so, according to Grandmère, she would destroy the life of that adorable one, Alphonse Saint-Just. Accordingly, she went languid into the house, and when Dorothy asked her in some surprise what ailed her and why she looked so white and good for nothing, Margot said in a voice très douce, I have mal à la tête, Dorothy. Ah, but what a pity that is, said Dorothy. And we are all so gay, so very, very gay. A whole lot of chapeaux have been sent to us from Madame Marcel, for Ebe, of course. I have told Ebe that you are beautiful, Comtesse, but you don't look beautiful today. It is mal à la tête, repeated Margot, trying to make her voice sound as weak as possible. Ah, pauvre petit, said Lady Dorothy. You must lie on the sofa in the salon. Mon oncle Gustave will not come in because we will ask him not. But you must see, Ebe, for I long much to know your opinion of her. Ebe Duncan at that moment bounded into the room. There was nothing whatever French about her. She was a laughing, highly-colored, rollicking English girl. Her age might have been eighteen. It might have been more. It might have been less. She stared hard for a minute out of her bright eyes at the little comtesse and then said, Oh, la la, and afterward went off into fits of laughter. The little comtesse murmured, It is la mal à la tête. Dorothy put soft cushions under the head that did not ache, and a rug over the little feet that pined to scamper about. As soon as ever she had done this, Ebe pulled her out of the room. They began a violent conversation on the wide landing outside the Marquis Salon. Dorothy said, Impossible! Ebe said, It's true! A certainty. Then she reappeared, holding several huge bandboxes in her hands. I bought these, she said, from a très petite comtesse at the establishment of la Madame Marcel. Would you like to look at them? <coughs> no, said Margot, and she suddenly began to cry. I hate the establishment. I hate deceit. I have not got maldala tete. Is there any cold water near? Lady Dorothy stared, and Lady Eby frowned. But Margo was only thinking of Uncle Jacko. Dear Uncle Jacko, and of Grandad, 
the Desmond. Take me where I can find some water, some icy cold water, please, she said to Dorothy. Dorothy obeyed in a sort of bewilderment. She took Margot to her own room, and soon the whitening process was removed from the little cheeks, and the brilliant and lovely color returned. Margot's eyes sparkled as of old. Now you look yourself, said Dorothy. You have no malala tête. None, 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 cried Margot. Never had. Ah, but how strange, said Lady Dorothy. But never mind, Ebe will soon love you. Behold, Ebe, behold, this is my little friend. And my little shopkeeper, said Ebe in an angry voice. Marga's big eyes blazed with a kind of fury. And are you really, really going to tell the Marquise? said the child, her eyes blazing. Take your chapeau then, here, here, and here. I have repented my lie. I have confessed to you both, but, but... She pulled the hats out of their bandboxes and flung them in Ebe's face. Now I despise you, she said. I, I did what I did to help ma belle grand-mère, and she keeps Monsieur le Comte in all luxury and does everything for me. No, I don't want your tea. I don't want your gâteau. I am not ashamed of helping ma belle grand-mère. I help her a little, and she helps me much. But I will never choose a hat for you again, understand? You can go to Madame Marcel, and you can spread the news if you like. That I help a little one who helps me much. Behold our chateau. It is neat. It is clean. It is white. It is full of things most beautiful, and mon grand-père eats the best and lives in the best style, and he is happy. I will go on helping ma belle grand-mère, and you can do as you please, but I will never choose a hat for you, Lady Eby. See, I am off home now. I can easily get back to my comfortable home. Oh, but no, Margot, no, exclaimed Dorothy. Do not be so silly. I will not be silly. I will be wise, said Margot. This is worse than being young, old, and old, young. Goodbye for the present. I do not choose to be a guest and to be looked down on. It is not the Irish way, and I did not think until now that it was the French way. She wrapped her pretty little coat around her shoulders and marched down the avenue with the air of a small duchess. Nevertheless, when Margot got back, which she did before the motor car had time to call for her, she was met by a singularly discontent belle grand-mère. Why, my pretty, why dost thou come so soon? she exclaimed. Because I couldn't act a lie, grand-mère, and I had to tell the truth, grand-mère, said Margot. The Lady Eby is no lady. She calls herself one, but she is not, and I will never, never sell her another hat. Oh, ma petite, what mischief hast thou done? said la grand-mère. 
I care not, I care not at all, said little Margot. I will not act the lie even for thee, grandmare. I wish thou wouldst let me go no more to the shop. Ah, uh, but thou must. Thou art the fortune of the establishment, mon petit, said grandmere, and think what fun it would be to sell chapeau to others, and never to the proud comtesse. We will get someone else for her. Thou needst not serve her. Très bien, answered little Margot, and she entered her grandfather's presence with a toss of her pretty head. But the next day at school, things did not go so well with the little Comtesse. It was quite evident that much as Dorothy had admired her the day before, Abby had brought her round to the impossibility of having anything to do with a girl who sold hats at a shop. Dorothy not only came round to Eby's view of the question, but she enlightened her schoolfellows with the true status of the little comtesse. She's all a sham, said Dorothy. I won't speak to her any more. No, not me. Margot was beginning to get rather fond of Dorothy, but she took her English friend's desertion very coolly. She thought out matters in her cute little brain and let the French girls alone. But there were, including herself and Dorothy, sixteen English girls in the school. The girls were all very much about the same age as Margot. She got them into one of the very small salons, which abandoned in the old palace, now converted into a school. They looked askance at her, but it was difficult to keep from smiling back at the smiling and beautiful dark eyes and it was still more difficult to resist the dimples that played round the lips of the cheeks of the little comtesse. See, behold, listen, she exclaimed. Dorothy Duncan does not like me because I help Madame Marcel in her magasin. She pretends I am not a lady. That is not true. I am a lady, and my Irish grandfather has a title higher up than the stars. What do we think of the Comte in Ireland when we have thus of the most ancient? Ma belle grandmère has asked me to help Madame Marcel a little bit. Ma belle grandmère does great things for me, and for mon bon grand-père. She is a woman, oh, of the noblest, and there is not a chateau greater or better than ours at ours. Now, behold, listen, what sort of chateau does the Marquise keep? Is it tidy? Is it neat? Are there good things to eat therein? I guess not. Now, if you English girls will take my part, I will take you to the establishment of Madame Marcel and get you a hat each at cost price. You will have to pay ever so much less than Lady Ebe paid when I flung her chapeau back into her face. Ah, but did thou indeed, little one, said Agnes Martin. 
Jane Raynor burst into a fit of laughter. All the English girls, with the exception of Dorothy, were brought over to Margot in a body, and on the following morning she had a tremendous sale of hats, which she gave by Madame la Comtesse's expressed wish to the bevy of English schoolgirls. She chose the hats with great care and exquisite taste. Having done this, she went back to la belle grand-mère and told her that she did not wish to continue at the school with Lady Dorothy. I like those who are faithful, said Margot. She is not faithful, and I will have none of her. I will attend the shop every morning, ma belle grand-mère, and you and grand-père can teach me in the afternoon until the happy, happy day when I return to Ireland. And dost thou wish to leave us, ma petite? asked the comtesse. Ah, oui, oui, the Desmond is very noble, said little Margot. Thou must abide with us thy full time. Thou canst leave until September, said la comtesse. Tears filled the little comtesse's black eyes. I know, she said, I know. Uncle Jacko will call for me on that day. Ah, but my heart will rejoice, it will sing. But indeed thou art kind, ma belle Grantesse, and so is Grandpère. But thou hast never seen the Desmond. I will go to him for three months, and come back again to thee, and will serve for a little time each day in the shop. And, hearken, Comtesse, thou wilt get me masters and mistresses next time. For I must learn, yes, I must learn. I will not be an ignorant comtesse of France, and nothing will persuade me to disgrace the Desmond of Desmond Town. End of chapter nine. Recorded by Speak Easy Bee.